Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Faton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. And as always, shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttles, Suttles Solution Media, for making this podcast possible. We have a great episode in store for you guys. I can't wait to share this with you. We have Misha Rubin, founder of the Career Leap Method, on the call, sharing some insight with us today. Misha, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here. It's a pleasure to have you, and I'm excited to really hop into the subject matter. But first, I always love to make sure that our viewers, our audience, and listeners can get acquainted with our guest and give our guests an opportunity to introduce themselves and bridge that gap before we really jump into the meat and bones of the podcast. So please, the floor is yours. Okay. So there are many ways one can introduce oneself, right? So I'll introduce myself through my career journey so that people can relate to me because they probably in some place in their career that they will relate to. So when I got out of college and I graduated and I got a degree in math and computer science, what I did is I started by taking a job every two year and two years. And the first year, the job was really exciting. And the second year, it was like, it's not that exciting. How do I get out? So I, I usually say I tried it all. So I tried with my two year jobs and then I tried taking a year off to find my passion I tried that. I had a great time. I didn't define my passion. I tried staying with one company for 15 years. So I was a management consultant for 15 years working for a big four. And even when I became a partner in that organization, I still had a sense that this is not it. And it felt like I'm wasting my life, that I'm not doing what I'm here to do. And I tried to do some people projects, in my company, mentorship, work-life balance, you name it. I try to get involved with that. I try to have some hassle projects on the side. You know, I recorded a music album, so I expressed my creativity. I got on a board of charity. I'm passionate about children causes, so I got on a board of charity. But the thing is that what I realized that none of that brought or there was this like a hole inside of me (laughs) that none of it filled the hole. And I still was in the quest of how to have a meaningful and fulfilling career. And then I did a lot of self-study and I great masters and a lot of different deep inquiry for myself. And one July morning I woke up and I had an answer and I could answer it for myself. I had language for it. I had a process to it and I knew how I would guide others. Yeah. And that's how I developed the career leap method. And this is what I'm doing now, teaching people how to find meaningful and fulfilling jobs that will work for their lives. Yeah. And I appreciate you putting that work in because a lot of times the effort and the work that we put in actually becomes a shortcut for someone else. So it sounds like you went through that process and you experienced it and understanding those pain points is really what allows you to kind of help coach others through that with the method that you've created. And I love that you tried a number of different jobs beforehand, because I imagine there's a lot of people right now who are listening 
who are working a job that they don't feel connected to, or they're working a job where they feel like they're just a number. And at one point in time, that job was a passion of theirs, but it just doesn't fill them up the way that it used to. So one question I wrote down was how people find themselves stuck in a career, or I I would call it sometimes golden handcuffed. I would talk to some folks and they say, well, I can't leave my job because I have my house, my kids and, and my mortgage to support, but they're stuck working a job that they don't feel fulfilled and they're afraid to quote unquote, start over. So how do we find ourselves in that position? Right. So I'll give you two answers to this question. So one, that there are, I say two gaps, two traps, two common traps. One trap, I called it skills and experience trap. So as soon as we invest into a skill or an experience, and that could start literally when we choose our major in college or find our first job, then when we go and look for our next job, we start with what our skills and experience. This is a norm in our society. This is how everybody else is doing it. On the other hand, we know if we look around, there are so many skilled and experienced people around us that are miserable at their jobs. But this is our traditional way of finding a job. So if your skills and experience didn't bring you that meaning, fulfillment, or whatever it is you're looking for, and you tried these jumps for several times, it's not likely that this method will bring you that. So that's a trap. It's very common that we, and I know it, I did it. So, and the second trap is what I call it is an opportunity trap. So this is when your ex-boss or ex-coworker or recruiter or somebody is calling you or sending you an email and say, hey, there is an opportunity. You'll get more money. You'll have more responsibility. You'll have more experience. You'll have more flexibility. You'll have more of something that's important to you. And on a surface, it seems like it's better because there is more of something. But if you do a few of those, very often people end up with a question, how did I end up there? <laughs> how did I end up here? Like, how, how come I'm here? Well, the thing is, we don't have a good criteria to how create opportunities. How do I know that this opportunity is the right one? Not just because it gives me more of something that I want, but really in the long run for my meaning and fulfillment and satisfaction. And that all these traps lead me to one big kind of idea. We are taught zillion of things through our lifetimes, but we are not taught how to find meaningful and fulfilling careers. Just nobody taught us how to do that. So that lack of education leaves us trapped. And what I think is missing in the society is that education. That's why I'm so excited about the career leap method, because it's a pragmatic and elevating way that truly takes you step by step and finds you a lot of opportunities of where and what you could be doing. Yeah. And that's amazing because it sounds like there's intentionality that's lacking in some of these traps where the the skills and experience trap is something that might have intention behind it, but we end up getting stubborn and not letting go when we find out that what we got might not be what we wanted. And the opportunity trap sounds more or less grabbing the low-hanging fruit versus actually deciding if that's the fruit we want to take a bite out of in the first place. How important is it for us to kind of do that work of finding 
what it is we're looking for, because I've said it on the podcast before, we say it all the time. If we don't know what we're looking for, we end up settling for what we get. And it sounds like that's what happens a lot for folks in their career. Absolutely. I think that's really the key. The people really don't have a framework of how to think about, you know, I just met with a friend and she's like, I know I don't want to do this, but I have no idea what I want to do. Now, how can you answer that question if you don't have anything to hold on to? So this is my premise of the career leap is actually very simple, is where you work should be aligned with your career values and what you do should be aligned with your strengths. So your career values is something intrinsic to who you are, something that you already have, something that probably deep inside of you already telling you this is not it. No, not it. But unless it's articulated in the language, for humans, it's very hard to use. And what I work with people is articulating it in the language. And then it becomes a criteria to find industries, organizations, and leaders that would actually make sense for you to work with. And most importantly, if you currently don't feel a sense of satisfaction or meaning in your job, most likely it's because where you work is not aligned with your values, where it's the industry, whether it's organization, where it's your leaders. Mm. Now, this is actually an introspective question and a question I think a lot of folks might also understand is because you mentioned the career values and playing to your strengths. There are times you might have one and not the other. For example, I know a lot of folks who find themselves in an industry or career that doesn't necessarily match their career values, but it plays very well into their strengths. And they have every opportunity to capitalize on the industry or the job that they're in because they're really good at it. Mm -hmm. How would you talk to somebody or what would you advise someone who's very good at what they do, yet they don't have that fulfillment in it? Okay. So this is what I tell you in my philosophy, where you work is way more important than what you do. Because if where you work is not aligned with your career values, actually, it's irrelevant what you do and how you're good at it. You will that if you, again, if you're one of these people like me and Ted, I would assume like you doing the work that you're doing, that you have this need for meaning and fulfillment. If you're not working in the industry organization and leaders that align with your values, it's irrelevant what you do. And you could be successful. And as I said, I had to experience it firsthand to actually be successful and not, and still it feels like it sucks, Mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day. So where you work is more important. Now, where people get trapped is around, we talked about skills and experience. So this is the interesting thing about skills. Think of skills as clothes. They get worn out and they get out of fashion. Mm -hmm. And if you really need to get new clothes, you go to the store and you get new clothes. So Skills and nowadays, all skills get out of (laughs) worn out and out of date. That's the nature of technology and the world that we're living in. So acquiring new skills, we already have to wrap our mind around that idea that this is not going away regardless. Now, our experiences, on the other hand, are much more transferable that we give them credit for. And part of it, what I work with folks is when they can identify their leap, then the question is, how do you communicate your experience in a way that it's relevant 
for the leap where you're going. And trust me, it's actually a beautiful exercise where people are like, like, oh my God, but I know how to do this. I know how to do this. And there could clearly be gaps in, in skills and knowledge, but then you can work through that also. Yeah. And it's amazing you mentioned that because when I moved from a meteorologist to an anchor, I had the experience of being on air. I didn't have the skills of anchoring. And that was something they said, well, you'll develop that, but you do have the experience that we're looking for. That answer plays perfectly into the question I wrote down about education and where we are in today's world with technology and the amount of online courses. Google has training courses. Facebook has their blueprint course and things like that. And there's a lot of opportunities for folks to gain very lucrative and beneficial skills that typically they'd have to go to a traditional university to get hundreds of thousand dollars in debt. How has the, the landscape of technology changed the importance of college and the acquirement of skills when looking for jobs? So let me ask you and answer it in a few ways. I believe that we live in unprecedented times Mm -hmm. for several reasons. Well, specifically around career, I'll talk about in the context of career and looking for changing careers and finding meaningful and fulfilling careers. First of all, with pandemic, our employers suddenly so open to remote work. So if in the past we were had some geographical limitations to where we could work nowadays, they mostly gone, number one. Number two, as the landscape changing and when there is a change in society and change in business, there is some pain clearly involved in that, but then there are new opportunities, new industries, new businesses, new ideas are opening up, and they usually are open to people that switch their careers or maybe to elements that are relevant for that particular business or idea. So that's number two. Number three, there had never been easier time to start your own business. I can tell you my own example, when I came up with the career leap method, it took me like two hours to build my website. I posted it on LinkedIn and on Facebook, and I got my three first students for free. But I don't know how what it took to open a business 20 years ago that you probably had to, you know, glue the posters. I don't know what people were. It's the effort that right now you have the world and your fingertips doesn't make it always easy, but the abilities to open up the business. And the fourth point to what you said, the education, the access to education, is just extraordinary to any information, paid or not paid. You can pick up skills. You can do anything. And so now, so it's my long way to answer your question about education. I personally think that the higher education will have to get transformed because the value of it is not clear. In the past, people invested into higher education to get career for life. And it was a fraction of the cost Mm -hmm. of what it is now. And the value of it was, I'll have a profession for the rest of my life. Right now, what you can count on, you're probably not going to have the same profession for more than a decade. So you know already, most likely, you will have more than one career. And whatever you're studying in college, for the most part, 
is going to be irrelevant, even maybe by the time, like in the areas, for instance, of marketing, probably by the time you graduate, everything you learn will become irrelevant because it changes so much. So I think the value of education will change dramatically and the need for this very expensive higher education it's also like I can see and among my friends that have children of that age, if you're not clear what you're going to do with your life and you enter into these very expensive relationship with colleges, you'll just spend, you know, I don't know, up to half a million dollars figuring out what you want to do. And then it's a good question whether that's worth it or not, whether there are better ways to get that answered. Yeah. Now, if you know what you want to do, then you have choices of education. And if you want to become a doctor, you clearly need to get your medical degree, but many other professions you might actually not need to. Yeah. It's amazing where this is going because I've, I've had these conversations with a few friends of mine recently. The nature of what we're in, I remember when I was in college and with my major in broadcasting, the thought and the conversation is, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And there's so much weight on a question like that because you're like, okay, so this career I pick is a life sentence. And we mentioned the reality of nowadays when we look at people like Michael Strahan, who had a very successful football career and is now enjoying a successful TV career, or we see other people who redefine themselves where we have like Logan Paul, who, or I think it's Logan Paul, one of the Pauls who is a YouTube star, then now going into professional boxing and things like that. Floyd Mayweather, a professional boxer, now a business owner. We're seeing the fact of the matter is sometimes these careers don't become a life sentence. And with the weight of that being lifted, how, I guess, how does that change the level of commitment we have when picking a career? Because I think that's what scares so many people when they think of the five years they've invested and they don't want to leave that job because they've put so much work into it. They've gotten yep. so deep. They don't want to start over. How does the reality of the landscape we're in kind of change that dynamic in the decision process? Right. So I would say what is important now, right? So the priorities change. Now that you know that your career might not even survive the lifetime, but maybe also you might not want to do it for a lifetime, right? There's a lot of consideration. So what is important? So one thing, what I call your unique career criteria. So it's knowing yourself. So you could choose careers that are meaningful, that fulfilling, where you can be successful, that will work for your life, not once, but on an ongoing basis. So that's, I'm going back to that idea of education, that you have a know-how, evaluating opportunities, evaluating careers, making these jumps. I think from the conceptual perspective, I think it's more important to be very agile now that knowing something very deep. So that agility, and as a parent, right, I'm thinking about what I want to give my children to prepare them for this life. It's clearly not knowing one thing that will make them successful, is ability to be in new environment and to pick up knowledge that that skill of learning is more important than knowledge itself the agility so if you end up in new circumstances and you can find the answers becomes more important than knowledge the creativity so which is 
whatever the cards you're dealt with, that you can do something with it and come with some type of a solutions. That's more value than any knowledge. So I think there is a big pivot. It's also, I would say, for people that are interested in their own self-development, that's these are the types of things they want to develop. And yes, there is a lot of fear. Fear is just a human factor. We mm-hmm. one thing about fear to realize is not it's not unique <laughs> to mm-hmm. any individual. As humans, we have the fear. And I'm very familiar with fear. Ted, I'm sure you very familiar with fear. I think the question is not whether we have fear, but to what extent we allow that fear to stop us from pursuing things. And that's also in my mind as some things you develop in yourself. It's almost like a muscle that you develop. Yeah. So if you are looking for a meaningful, fulfilling life, if you're looking to do great things, well, you have to deal with your fears. Yeah. I think I know our, our listeners have heard this before. We say, you know, the life you want to live is right on the other side of fear. And that's really kind of where it is. And if you're in a state of fear, you're probably extending yourself into an area of growth, which is always a good place to be if you have that ambition to grow. I'd love to start talking about it. How do we find the work that we should be doing in our lives? What does that process look like? I know you've been through it uh, and I know our listeners are probably trying to go through that process too. So help us out in terms of the method you found. Great, thank you. So who I'm usually working with, I call that person a competent, unfulfilled professional. So that's somebody who is educated enough, good at what they do enough, successful enough, and not fulfilled with their job, right? So that's on one side. And my mission in life is to fill the world with empowered and impactful humans. Mm -hmm. So empowered and impactful human, that's somebody who lives their life and works in alignment with their values, somebody who's empowered to initiate a change, somebody who knows who they are, somebody who shows a great example to the next generation of how to live meaningful and fulfilling life. So that's to me what's so exciting to become, to become an empowered, impactful human. And we all of us have already that part of us. So the question is, how do we nurture and how do we strengthen it so it can actually be operating in the world? So my method has four pillars. The first one, I call it a unique career criteria. So we touched a little bit upon it already. So this is what where you know yourself, you get to know yourself and articulate things about yourself that becomes criteria for how you look for work or a career. So we talked about career values, the strengths. We all motivated in a very unique way. We have different interaction models and enjoy different interaction models with other people. We have our non-negotiables. So we have like a list of things that are very intrinsic to who we are. If we know them, then we can go out in the world and say, what industries would be aligned with that? Mm-hmm. What organizations and leaders would be aligned with that? What careers would be aligned with that? So that's how I guide my people to identify their career leap. So that's one pillar, right? So the second pillar is, I call it dismantling, disempowering beliefs. Mm -hmm. So we as humans create beliefs about ourselves, about others, about 
industries about futures, future, and those beliefs kind of often in the way of us pursuing things, discovering things. So the common beliefs about career are like, I don't know what it is, or it will never pay me the money that I want to, or I'm not educated enough to do this, or I'm not, I'm too old, or I am just not lucky enough to do that. So those, the problem with beliefs that we relate to them as the truth. So we think if that if I am not lucky, that means we relate to it as the truth. But the thing about beliefs that they have some truth about it. So there is some evidence that we have that I'm not lucky. But then there is definitely evidence that you are lucky. So you, if you really examine the beliefs, and that's what I teach people to become masters in identifying, deconstructing, and disempowering beliefs and creating new context. You just understand that those beliefs, just these constructs that sit in our head and you can let them go. So the pillar one was your unique career criteria. Your pillar two was dismantling, disempowering beliefs. Now, the third pillar is about communication. So there are three principles of impactful communication. is being authentic, being relevant, and being transparent. So we live in the world where looking for job and interviewing is something based on performance. Like you evaluate yourself. How am I doing? Did I do well in this interview? So in the world of performance, you got to be somebody who you're not. You got to look better than you are. You got to pretend that you're somebody that you're not. You know, that's world of performance creates this gap and lack of trust. So I teach people how to communicate in authentic, relevant, transparent way through their resume, through how they approach employers, how they conduct themselves in the interviews. And we write what I call a magic letter which is a very unique way of expressing of who you are and what problems you want to solve and how you can use it as a cover letter, as a thank you letter in many different ways. Okay, so we have pillar one, the unique career criteria, pillar two, dismantling, disempowering beliefs. So now you know how to communicate that into the world. And the fourth pillar is action. So these are intentional, impactful actions. So this is already where you go and identify organizations you want to approach, you reach out to them, you evaluate opportunities, you negotiate. So these four things kind of come together. And if you just know your unique career criteria and you know how to dismantle your disempowered beliefs, but you don't know how to communicate, then it's not going to work. If you, there are some people, great communicators and always in action, but if you don't, they don't have a good criteria or they have these disempowering beliefs, that's not going to work. So it's kind of these four pieces. And I usually say, if you get all four of them, it's not just about your career. You can be an empowered, impactful human life and use them anywhere in life, wherever you are. Yeah. And that's an amazing process to go through because I think those four things, when I look at them, you know, knowing yourself, that's kind of identifying your values, where you want to go and the intention behind it, the beliefs is kind of unlearning some of the things that have kind of just taken rent in our head from a young age up until now, and then communicating that. 
finding a new way to communicate authentically and unapologetically in terms of who we are, and then taking the action towards that. It's really about, like you mentioned, more than just the career, but the overall life that we live. We're being our true selves all around. And I think that's what we really strive for. What is, I guess, an example of a successful career shift that you've been able to experience? Well, I am <laughs> an example. <laughs> I'm usually like, if you cannot do it with yourself, right? So I, I'm definitely an example of the career shift. Let me give you maybe a few examples of the people that I worked with, um, that I'm working with. So one woman came to me, she was an architect, and she said, I hate architecture. It's impossible to be a woman in architecture field and work with all the men and deal with all these things. Get me out of here. And then she ended my program with, I am in love with architecture. I remember why I picked this work in the beginning. And the thing is that we identified parts of architecture that in fact were fully aligned with her values. Mm. And then she kind of came back to loving architecture. I'm working in somebody who right now works in financial industry for a large financial institution, that he found this particular problem with consumer investments that is not solved in the industry, right? So this person right now is looking for organizations. He actually identified several smaller financial organizations that committed to solving that problem. So we're working right now with him on approaching them and getting his leap over there. I work with people, I work with a lot of primary caregivers, mostly women that made some type of a sacrifice because of their family life to their career. But now it's their time to claim things. I'm working with somebody who you know, works in technology, but at some point she helped her husband to start a medical practice so her leap is how to help doctors to get out of doing business and be doctors. So she is looking to discover these organizations that help medical professionals to actually run their business. So these are some of the examples of real things that people looking into and working through right now. Yeah. And it's amazing hearing those examples because what I hope that does for our listeners is it bridges the gap and shows them that it's possible because there's so many people who feel stuck and they see a success story and they don't, they just, they don't think it applies to them or they think their situation is unique. And, and I hope hearing some of those examples helps the, give them that trigger and give them that belief that they too can go through that process. They too can do that work and then find the fulfillment either in their job or how their skills and experience can be applied to another career that can give them fulfillment. I'd love to give them the tools on how they can do that. Misha, how can folks get in contact with you learn more about the career leap method and maybe even go through the method and go through your process to hopefully find fulfillment in their careers and in their lives. Awesome. So right now I have three programs. So the easiest way, if you're ready, you said, I'm done with my career mediocrity. I don't want to put up with it anymore. So go to thecareerleap.com and you can read about the career leap method and you can apply to work with me. 
The other two programs that I have is for leaders. That's called the Leaders Leap. So if somebody is a leader in an organization and they feel like they grew out of the mission of their organization or grew out of their role and they're looking for what's next for them, it's a program tailored for leaders called the Leaders Leap. And then I work with CEOs of companies that already so CEOs that have their values and mission, and they want to make sure that their organization is a vehicle to deliver on that and how to do it in the most effective way. So that's the legacy leap. So you can also go to mishalrubin.com where there is a description of all these programs, as well as I'm about to launch my podcast, The Career Rebels. So Ted, exactly to your point, the only reason that I started the podcast, because I really didn't want to do it, <laughs> I was, I want to bring evidence that it's possible so that whatever the circumstance you have in life, I can bring an example of somebody who did it. You know, I just was interviewed by this woman who is a single mom, and she was telling me like the story about how she had a corporate job. And at some point she's like, I'm just done with it. And she started her own bookkeeping business. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, there's so many examples. I just interviewed a woman who was 55 when she moved from being a branding and marketing person and became an intermittent coach, intermittent fasting coach. So there are all these examples of people doing this at different ages, under different circumstances. There is a lot of, there is enough evidence that it's possible. The question is whether you're just ready to go and whether you are, or alternatively, whether you'll keep putting up with what you have. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think our listeners, one of them is going to be that next success story. And I'd love to hear it too. And I know you would love to. So I encourage that listener who is working on that process, that method right now to contact us and let them know about their success story. And I'll be sure to have those links in the show notes as well. So folks can access them right now. If they're listening on their iTunes app or on Spotify, go ahead, click the link. It'll take you directly to those areas. Misha, I appreciate the time today. I, I appreciate you sharing the work that you've put in and now giving to others to help them get through this process because we know so many folks go through it. And I just want to recap some of the tidbits you left along the way. First, the skills and experience, the traps that we find ourselves in in the career where we end up being golden handcuffed to a situation. There's the skills and experience trap and also the opportunity trap. Either we've invested in skills and we have the experience and we're afraid to let that go or we have an opportunity in front of us that offers more of something that we want at the time. And we take enough of those and find out that we went down a path we never intended to go down in the first place. I have no idea what I want to do. A lot of folks find ourselves in that process. And as we mentioned, with today's technology, that's a dangerous way to step into college. If you're going to take on thousands of dollars of debt, potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, and you don't know what you're going to do, understand the reality that you might go $500,000 in debt to work a $50,000 a year job for a decade before you decide to do something else. And you end up breaking even on that process. So if you're afraid of the investment of time that you put into your career already, and you've already put through college, understand that that's a risky thing to walk into if you don't know what you want to do in the first place. Of course, where you work is more important than what you do. I thought that was such great insight because so many people have the skill set to be great at what they're doing, but they just don't enjoy it because where they are probably doesn't align with their values. And that's something to pay close attention to. And think of skills as clothes. 
We've seen it before. The 10 highest jobs in demand didn't exist 10 years ago. And I'm pretty sure that's not going to be a trend that stops anytime soon. So understand that skills, you can acquire them through time. They change through time. And sometimes they do go out of style. I'm pretty sure the, I forgot what they, stonographers who type, they type the court stuff. I mean, we have technology and AI that transcribes our words for us for 25 cents a minute. So that unfortunately, that skill of typing really fast, those transcribers aren't as much of in demand as they used to be. And what is important now? So many of us get locked into, hey, this is the career that we're going to have for the rest of our lives where this might serve a season in our life. I can tell you at the ripe age of 33, what I wanted at 21 was not what I wanted at 25. What I wanted at 25 was not what I wanted at 28. And what I want now at 33 as I'm working to get married and start a family is definitely not what I wanted when I was 30 because I went from all into on the career and working countless hours to now I'm focused on maybe setting up a career that can give me income while also giving me the freedom to spend time with my family. So understand what's important to you in the moment, also what might be important to you in the future and try and plan accordingly. And if you need help, Misha is here to help because he's already done the work. Misha, we appreciate the insight and all this and all the feedback you gave us today. Thank you, Ted. It was really great being with you. Great questions. Thank you. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you so much. And if the listeners enjoyed it, made it all the way to the end, we appreciate you too. Please be sure to give us a thumbs up, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button. You can get a new episode every single week. And if you really enjoyed this episode or you know someone who can benefit from it, please, the best compliment you can give us is by sharing it with a friend or sharing it with someone who can get some value from this episode. And if you really love the podcast, leave us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. The only way we can improve is if you let us know what we're doing wrong. And if you love it so much, you want to support monetarily first, we appreciate it. Second, we have a Patreon page where you can support for as little as $1 a month and you can get extra audio and some feedback from some of our guests as well. And you can get some extra content there. And as we always say at the end of the episode, guys, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without a little pain. Let's grow.